HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is brought to you by Hearst Ranch Grass-Fed Beef, available on the internet at hearstranch.com. Hello, Greenhorns. This is Severin. This is Greenhorns Radio, radio by young farmers, uh, for and about and between and among young farmers. I am today joined by, well, more of a naturalist than a farmer, but it's an edge worth exploring. This is Tim Cochran, and he's coming to us from Sandpoint, Idaho. Tim, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Severin. Great to be here. Great to be here with you. So now, Tim, would you mind just giving everyone a tiny introduction to the work of The Naturalist and your work in that field? Sure. I'd love to. Um, Yeah, so I, uh, my wife and I direct Twin Eagles Wilderness School, and I am a naturalist as well as a nature-based mentor. And so I work with uh, youth and adults facilitating a deep connection to the natural world and what comes, emerges from that is deep connections between people and a deep connection to self. And so we... Uh, so you're basically teaching kids how to be in the woods and not be scared and instead feel empowered and survive nicely and good, make good fires. <laughs> well, that's a start. <laughs> but it, it goes much deeper. Yeah. So we do. We, we draw from... Uh, indigenous cultures, both in what we teach and how we teach it. So naturalist skills, animal tracking, wild edible and medicinal plants, uh, ecological relationships and how we fit into the bigger ecological picture of the natural world, wilderness survival, as you mentioned, and even the language of the forest, bird language. And, uh, yeah, and, 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 and underneath that is, is how we teach it is we take the time to really observe the natural world deeply identify what are those patterns going on and make those core energetic connections with it and use that as a blueprint for how we guide others into this deep connection. So, so just to make people understand a little bit, you're saying yeah. that once you start to perceive nature and engage with uh, the natural world and you start to have these, uh, a set of understanding around particular plant interactions and plant animal interactions that you may, in fact, develop secret ninja skills? <laughs> yeah, I, I, actually, that, that's very much true. You know, this was, um, this, this, is the, this is the life of our indigenous ancestors, right, uh, living in, in deep connection to nature. 
is really, I mean, this is in our DNA. You know, we've, we've lived this last, what, 1,000, 2,000 years, depending on how you look at it, uh, in disconnection to the natural world. But if you look at the greater history of human beings on the planet, that's still just a drop in the bucket of living in deep, deep connection to nature. So when we restore that for people, yeah, the, the, the intense ninja skills come back, and it looks like health and vitality uh, in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts, and in our spirits. So the people who are coming to you are learning these skills, they're feeling the good feeling. Is there, um, is there a world in your world that also has to do with managing ecosystems and, in, and like, not in an agricultural sense, but in a kind of, uh, what's that, tending the wild, like just managing sure. for what you want in the landscape? Or is that Absolutely, yeah. Uh, that's where permaculture comes in. And you're right, tending the wild. Uh, when we look at our indigenous ancestors, it's clear, and Kat Anderson has documented a lot of this in her book, Tending the Wild. <laughs> um, you know, when, the, when the, our European ancestors first arrived on this continent, uh, what was basically going on was it wasn't just a wild uh, nature. It was nature that had been tended very intentionally and consciously by the indigenous peoples uh, to meet their needs with abundance. And all that is, is still available to us, but there's a journey that takes place first. And that's that core energetic connection to nature. You know, if I can, I'd love to share a little bit about my own story and how I came into all this. Um, yes, that would be wonderful. Great. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm 38, and I grew up in the mid-'70s uh, in a conservative Midwestern town, South Bend, Indiana. And as you can imagine, right, uh, deep connection to nature wasn't necessarily the, the name of the game back then. In fact, uh, for myself and most of the kids growing up at the time, you know, our deep needs weren't really being addressed or met by, by the culture at large. And so uh, <clears throat> I struggled as a kid, but the place I always found peace was in the natural world. Growing up and entering my teenage years, parents got divorced in there, and I was increasingly just frustrated with the modern world and asking the question, you know, as I got closer and closer to adulthood, is this really it? You know, what, what is it for I'm going to uh, go to high school, finish high school, do college, and then what? Uh, sentenced to, like, what, 40 years in a cubicle? No thanks. What were you majoring in in school? Well, as a kid, I had, I have, I had a natural tendency uh, to logic and mathematics, and comp- all that, and computers actually came really easy to me. And so that, that's what I actually focused on and, and majored in, right, which is kind of a, a 180 from what I do now. But it wasn't my heart's desire. And so out of college, with this computer science degree, uh, I decided to hit the road kind of Jack Kerouac style, really looking for myself. Uh, I spent about a year and a half on the Navajo Indian Reservation, met the love of my life, took some permaculture design courses, and that was really cool because I really resonated with, okay, permaculture, right? Take the time, observe nature deeply, and use those patterns to meet our basic human needs of food, shelter, water, and, and, and warmth, right? That made a lot of sense to me, but I was still yearning for something much deeper. I was still yearning for something much deeper. And then how did you know when you were finding it? Yeah. Well, so um, I read some books by a fellow whose name is Tom Brown, Jr., maybe you're familiar with, 
And Tom was mentored by an old uh, Apache Indian medicine man scout uh, from the age of seven years old. It's a phenomenal story, right? And uh, in his book that he's written, he spoke about this old Indian stalking wolf and how he was able to meet his basic needs of shelter, water, fire, and food directly from the natural world. Right, and so these are the old primitive skills and wilderness survival skills, and that really spoke to me deeply. Right, gosh, I, I, not only do I not need uh, grocery stores and you know mortgages to get my basic needs met, I, I don't, I don't even need farms. You know that that it's 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 possible, right? And not to say that that's practical, but that that spoke to, to a, a deep archetype in me. And the other side of it that really. Uh, let me know that I was on this right track was that he spoke about the possibility of vision and purpose in life, that we each have a unique purpose, and that uh, the greatest adventure in life is to set forth on discovering what is that purpose, what are my gifts, what are my passions, what's my vision on this earth, and, and how do I express that and share it to the world. And so that was really inspiring and really heartbreaking at the same time, because working uh, still at a computer job at that point, I knew I wasn't on track. But so what I did was we went out and wound up taking some classes with Tom and got involved with the Vermont Wilderness School, which was just starting up in Brattleboro, Vermont, and my wife and I, and stayed there for five years, made this really deep connection to nature and these old skills. Uh, we had an opportunity to learn this nature-based mentoring approach and for me, you know, as a kid who struggled socially growing up, this was the first time I was really being exposed to, wow, a whole positive, holistic community of people connecting. And that, so that was a really healing experience for me. And the other side of, of that, of course, was the connection to self and looking deep into my own patterns and my fears and my strengths and my weaknesses and what are my passions and what is my purpose and how do I go about uh, realizing that in life. And so that's really led me to, after five years, we, we left Vermont and took the, all that we had learned as a seed and founded Twin Eagles here in Sandpoint, Idaho, with the real core uh, intention of facilitating what we call, right, deep nature connection and cultural restoration. And so this project, Twin Eagles, invites young people to go through this experience that you're describing in your own life in a kind of a summer camp fashion. Is that right? Well, that's part of it. We work with youth and we work with adults. So, yeah, we do summer camps. We've got a big summer camp season, uh, but we also do programs through the, through the school year. We've got programs for homeschool kids, programs for kids in public schools, uh, that meet on the, on, the, on the weekends. We work with teenagers and do a lot of rite of passage work. And we also have a lot of adult programs, including um, <clears throat> a really probably our, the greatest expression of our vision is our Wilderness Immersion Program, which is a three-day-a-week, nine-month-long, deep immersion into all of these old ways, the natural skills, the tracking, the wilderness survival. Uh, there's a permaculture component in there. Uh, and learning to be a nature-based mentor. And what comes out of that is, are these deep connections to nature that's deeply fulfilling for people, as well as deep connections to others and a deep connection to self. And it's really what we're calling uh, the work of cultural restoration, which I think really is a core values match when it comes to uh, you know, local, organic, holistic farming. 
because what we're really doing is reclaiming an ownership to our, our most basic needs and what, and what makes us human. And we're, we're reclaiming that, right? I mean, when we look back at history and we look at human societies, they've, uh, they've really evolved based on a deep understanding of the natural world uh, of the, and of the local natural world, right, what indigenous people would call their traditional territories. So it's whole cultures that have evolved in relationship with the land. Every plant, every animal, every river, every mountain, all playing a significant portion um, and a, a significant role in the unique cultural heritage of the people of that place. Right? So after hundreds of generations of deep relationship with the land, this specific connection to place and this knowledge of place really is inseparable from uh, the culture, from the identity of the people. And so when so we look at America today... So the culture oh, go ahead, is yeah. inseparable. Well, so the culture, just to recap, the, the culture is inseparable from the people, and the people are inseparable from the place, and the culture is the cumulative, the cumulative outcome of that relationship over time. Yeah, exactly. But that culture can only continue to survive and be real if there is still that relationship with place. Right, which we're, which we're rediscovering, and farming is so great uh, with that, organic farming, uh, as are all, all these old skills, permaculture, uh, wilderness survival, animal tracking, you know, learning the wild, edible, and medicinal plants. Uh, but, of course, as I was saying, when we look at America today, and we look at the largely, you know, people, uh, of course, have lost touch with their cultural heritage. Uh, we've lost touch with a deep relationship to nature, and so as a result, many people have this, this uh, sense of loss or this longing to find a deeper meaning in life and, of course, go searching in all these ways, some productive, some not productive. But what we find is consistently when people make these connections, that deep uh, yearning is met in the biggest way. And it becomes really transformational for people to establish these, these deep, deep relationships. So this is a great thing. This is a great place to send little brothers who may be uh, playing too many computer games. It's a good place <laughs> to, send, to send people who've just come through divorce, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But so the core listening audience of Greenhorns Radio are young farmers feeding feeding trays in the greenhouse, and I've just been in the greenhouse all morning transplanting great. basil. And uh, so for us, I feel like a, the major excitement comes from learning how nature tracking and or on uh, animal tracking and wild forage especially as yep. skill sets can add to you know most we're already engaging in land and work and yes. place and we found meeting through agriculture um, but I think there's a lot of us who are interested to expand our our understanding into the wilder edges of our farms or the farms where we work could you just basic give a little basic understanding little description of what does it mean tracking and why would you track and what does it do to you what what do you learn from tracking great yeah so yeah wildlife tracking this is one of the uh you know our core competencies this is one of the, the main areas that we teach here at twin eagles and um again if you look back at the history of it uh tracking was the, you know is older than language you know human beings were tracking before we had before we had spoken or written languages. This is as old as, as life. Uh, tracking comes from uh, hunting and gathering. So whether it, it was, you know, 
seeking down berries and plants that were edible or, you know, hunting animals, uh, tracking was the very method that we as humans first used. And it's, it's uh, common to all races all across the planet. So when we reclaim that, which today in the modern experience can feel a little like, well, what? Animal tracking? Why, why do that, right? How does that connect it to anything I'm doing right now? But that's more of a reflection, of course, of our greater disconnection. So, yeah, when we, when we go about uh, tracking animals, you know, it, it's a multi-sensory, multidisciplinary experience that connects us archetypally to this really old, old part of ourselves. And as a result, we find health and flourishment all through our, our beings. Now, when it comes to the connection to farming, um, what we see is, and again, I would reference the old indigenous cultures, <laughs> and Cat Anderson's book, yeah, Tending the Wild, is a great, has got some great work on this, that the edge between farm and wilderness was, was blurred, right? That, sure, there was, there was crops that were being planted, and then there, were all, there was also the wilderness was being tended. So maybe it was, you know, tending the, the old American chestnuts, right, that were in a symbiotic relationship with the passenger pigeons, and through deep observation of nature, the, the, our, our ancestors knew how to tend those trees so that they would produce more and, and create greater abundance. And those same patterns, those observing those, those deep patterns in nature, were then taken and applied to uh, agriculture and to farming. And so that's a big part, of course, of the permaculture movement right now, you know, asking the question, okay, if I were to come here and, you know, initiate this land, uh, this food production project on this, on this land, what would nature want? You know, and how is, it, how is there something greater than me happening here? And how can I uh, co-create that in partnership with nature as opposed to just, you know, oh, I know everything and I'm going to, you know, impose my, my personal will on this and kind of take this lone wolf approach, but it's taking this greater collective co-creative process. Well, the other part of it, I just, you know, I had a boyfriend who was a tracker and a teacher of tracking, and mm-hmm. but I learned from him in observing birds and just, like, taking time to watch what the birds are doing and which way the foxes are going and where the footprints are, and, you know, you become much better at maintaining inventory in your mind of thousands of different things that are happening around your farm, around the land, and that, that, that a big part of it also is growing your own skill set and being able to notice tiny changes and opportunities that you could, don't want to use the word exploit, but mm-hmm. you could use to your advantage as a farmer. Work with, and, and yeah. With, in order, you know, you notice that you don't want to have a, um, a cow's uh, trip in their ankles. You know, you've noticed where the groundhogs are. You've noticed, you know, you've noticed where the water is very soggy and you've like, you really notice stuff, and that Absolutely. a big part of this is just, like, sharpening your pencil uh, yeah. of observation. Absolutely. This is, this is I th- again, I think this is where, we're, where it's just a, a core values match. When we look at traditional conventional farming as, okay, one individual saying, I'm going to grow this crop here no matter what, uh, thank you anyway, and if it doesn't work well, we'll, do, we'll use chemicals and make it work. You know, obviously, we've seen the repercussions of that. And so organic farming, uh, permaculture, these are all holistic approaches uh, that where we're working with the natural world. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. 
the more we take the time to observe the patterns in nature, whether those are the mammal life, the bird life, the plant life, and not just nature in general, but the nature of our specific place, developing that unique local connection to place, those become, yeah, resources and skill sets that we use uh, to increase uh, our, our, our farms, uh, our families, our health uh, on, on all fronts. So it's, it's all very exciting, and for those who are interested to engage more, would you suggest a few books that are good beginner reading on, on the topic of nature tracking, and, and especially in the kind of tracker permaculture uh, interface there? Most people who are farming have had some familiarity with permaculture, but are there any, right. like, berry books or something? <laughs> well, sure. I mean, there, there's a, a few different resources. Um, you know, when it comes to this lineage of, of uh, you know, earth-based wildlife tracking and nature connection, one of the classic inspirational books is uh, by this fellow I mentioned, Tom Brown, Jr., called The Tracker. Uh, a phenomenal story. Uh, about deep connection to the natural world and, and his uh, experience as a, as a young boy being mentored by this old, old Indian, right? There's also, um, as we mentioned, when it comes to tending the wild and looking at how do we uh, blend right, food production with a respect for nature on its terms and work together with that, right? Not, as you said, not exploiting, but really working together uh, in co-creation, I would really recommend Kat Anderson's book, Tending the Wild. Phenomenal story, phenomenal uh, storytelling there. Um, and then, you know, I'm sure a lot of your folks are familiar with permaculture, but for those who aren't, um, there's Gaia's Garden, there's uh, Introduction to Permaculture, and, of course, Bill Mollison has got a lot of uh, great different uh, bodies of work out there. Yeah, those, those are a few I can think of right now. And so I feel like, didn't we meet at the... Um we met as a permaculture gathering in the, where was it, North, what was it, Washington? Yeah, Spokane, was it? Washington, that's right, last November. Yeah, in, in, in Washington. So, so for those who are new to this way of thinking and they're new to the tribe, there are regional networks, there are regional gatherings, there is, in yes. fact, a posse of people who will care about these things and are practitioners in their mm-hmm. own place who, who you may like to meet or whose sites and projects and places you may like to visit. Uh, so, so how would this, so what was, there's, I think there's, a, there's one site, permaculture.org, that lists the regional group. Yeah. Yeah, right? permaculture.org is a, is a good one. That's going to connect folks up to the whole permaculture network. And then there's really a, on, uh, the, our whole, my whole network of uh, the Deep Nature Connection Mentoring Network that is increasingly um, connecting more and more with the permaculture network. Uh, so permaculture.org, yeah, is a good site to go to for to get involved in it. Uh, our site has got a lot of great resources and links, uh, <coughs> which can connect folks up with the Deep Nature Connection, Deep Nature Connection Mentoring Movement. Uh, our site is www.twineagles, that's plural, .org, O-R-G. <coughs> yeah, so those are a couple of good gateways for folks to get into. So come into the gateway and, and come into the forest and... Tim, what a great pleasure to connect with you. I'm, um, I'm staring up at the mason bee nests that are up in the eaves of the barn and looking at the swallows and their babies and mm. just noticing how much of the wild has made its home here on the farm. 
And yeah. um, you re-inspired me to watch it more closely. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Severin. It's been just a great pleasure. And uh, blessings to all of our listeners. Blessings to all the listeners. This has been another episode of Greenhorns Radio. Thank you to Tim. Thank you to all of you. We have a few coming up events uh, in Vermont. The Blue Dot, Pale Blue Dot, which is a rural living um, natural history celebration. There are other important things going on all the time, screenings and workshops and uh it's very hard for me to even keep track. It's kind of intense. Mm. So I would recommend going on our brand-new fabulous website, www.thegreenhorns.net, and click on the calendar. And subscribe, and I'll see you there, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.